Hey, listeners, before we get to this episode of Problem Solvers, here is a word from our sponsor. When you're running a small business, there is so much to do. And sometimes it's hard to figure out which of these things is really important and which of them is just wasting your time. What is it? that you need to do to win against the competition? That's the question you're asking yourself, and the answer can come from the David versus Goliath podcast. This podcast will help you find clarity that you need so you can slay the Goliath in your industry. The David versus Goliath podcast is packed with insights to help small business owners beat their large competitors. Host Adam DeGrade is a serial entrepreneur. He is passionate about creating a space where we can come together and learn from each other. And that's why he interviews small business owners from a variety of industries to share their best practices and mistakes, like Bob Tasca, who took his family's automotive business from a single point dealership to one of the largest in the United States. You need the David versus Goliath podcast to get inspired and educated on not only how to compete, but to win. Subscribe to the David versus Goliath podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now on with the show. From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. A little while ago, I was having coffee with a young entrepreneur who was just absolutely overwhelmed which of course is the common story. I mean, what entrepreneur is not overwhelmed, especially one who is just starting out. But boy, she was just, she was really struggling. She was trying to do too much. She doesn't have a lot of people, which is to say that she just has herself. And she has made what she feels like are all these commitments to people, to her audience, that she does not know how to fulfill. I'll give you one example. She's got this newsletter. It's a great newsletter. Like a really, really good newsletter. You know why it's so good? Because she's writing it herself. And she pours a lot, a lot of time into it, a lot of care into it. And it's developed a great audience. And that audience is, of course, going to be very valuable. It is worth writing this newsletter. It is worth cultivating this audience. But you know what? She has been producing it every week, comes out every week, and it's got a lot in there. And she is thinking to herself, because she is producing this thing every week, she has so little time for all the other things that she needs to do. And it would be so great if she could just do this thing every, I don't know, other week. But she can't do that. She can't do that. She would tell me, can't do that because people come to expect it, come to expect it every week. So can't do that. But boy, if she just had a little more time, she could just take a breather and focus on other things. But can't do that. Can't do that because again, set the expectation. People know it's coming every week. And eventually I I was hearing her go in circles and I'm sure this is basically what's going on in her brain all the time. And I said, stop, stop, stop and reflect, stop and consider what it is that you are doing and what you are not doing because of what you were doing. And then I told her this thing that I have been telling myself for a while now, for a couple of years. And, uh, It's not a very sexy phrase, I will admit, but it is a very practical one and a very calming one and one that I have taught myself, even though it was not natural, I've taught myself to live by. And that phrase is this, I will do the best work with the resources available. You want to repeat that after me? I will do the best work with the resources available. Like I said, not sexy, 
but very important. Because without an understanding that the only thing you can do is the best work with the resources available, boy, you will just drive yourself into the ground. It is time to get realistic. You cannot do everything, and that's okay. Instead, we got to do the best of what is possible. So here's how I want to instill that in you, to get you to repeat to yourself, to maybe write it on a piece of paper and slap it on a wall, I will do the best work with the resources available. I'm going to do two things here on this episode. Number one, I'm going to read you the column that I just wrote. It is in the December issue of the magazine. It is about exactly this. It is shouting it from the rooftops. I want you to know about it. And then number two, I'm going to take a break. And then I will tell you my own personal journey of how I got there. And there's just a little, a little taste of it in the column you'll hear, but boy, there's so much more to say. And I think that if you hear how I let go of this sense that I needed to do more than I could, I hope it'll give you permission to do the same. So that's what we're talking about on this episode of the podcast coming up after the break. In today's world of growing regulations and strict customer requirements, compliance is essential. And that's why there's Leica. Leica is a platform where businesses can pass security questionnaires from customers, adapt to newer regulations, and maintain all documents in one place. The platform's automations, workflows, and integrations make passing audits and minimizing risk easier than ever. And you don't have to worry about keeping up with new regulations because every customer gets a dedicated compliance officer to help them understand requirements, implement policies, and fulfill ongoing responsibilities. Leica's platform even builds and automates compliance for standards like SOC2 and HIPAA with hands-on experience each step of the way. So if that sounds like an amazing solution for your giant compliance headache, then here's what you got to do. Problem Solvers listeners get 20% off when they join. Just visit heyleica.com slash problem solvers to get their exclusive deal. That is H-E-Y L-A-I-K-A dot com slash problem solvers to request a demo and get 20% off when you sign up with Leica. All right, we're back. So like I said, two parts here. Number one, I want to share with you what I had shared in my column in the magazine in the December 2021 issue. And then after that, I'm going to get even more real by just no reading, just talking, just standing here in my bedroom holding a microphone. This is literally what is happening right now. I'm standing in my bedroom, holding a microphone at my desk, uh, talking because we got to do the best we can with the resources available. (laughs) I guess I'll tell you more about that in a bit. But first, okay, ready? Here it goes. Repeat after me. I will do the best work with the resources available. This has become my mantra. It isn't sexy. It doesn't make for a great motivational poster, but it is true and honest. And I think of it often. It's also what I repeat every time someone tells me they're stressed out with too much to do, and it always calms them down. I hope this mantra can do the same for you, and I'm going to walk you through it. The first part is obvious. I will do the best work. Of course you will. We don't work to be average, as NBA Hall of Famer Chris Bosh once told me. The second part, however, is where all the power lies, with the resources available. Let's be frank. Unless you are the CEO of Apple or Google, you do not have all the resources you need. That's just a fact. You don't have enough time to get everything done, enough money to hire the right people, or perhaps even enough know-how to skip ahead in the journey. You simply do not. You do not have those resources. But you do have some resources. They are, yes, 
the resources available. I'm talking about time, money, skills, or anything else. You should use these resources in the smartest, most effective way possible, but also be mindful and realistic about their limitations. That's because you cannot compare yourself to what would be possible with more resources. This, I believe, is the source of a lot of our stress. We imagine what would be possible with double the resources, and then we feel frustrated when we are unable to achieve that with our actual resources. You want to know what that looks like? I'll offer some limitations of my own. The first, frankly, is Entrepreneur Magazine, the magazine I edit. I am privileged to work with an amazing team there, but we are small in number. Just flip to the masthead and look at who is making this magazine. There are not many of us. And that means we must make choices about what's possible. One example, when I was a junior staffer at a bigger magazine, my editor would make me spend hours writing fantastically clever captions for all the photos. Today, the entrepreneur edit staff is too small to devote hours to that task, but I have concluded it does not matter. You, dear reader of magazines, are likely not buying Entrepreneur Magazine for the photo captions. That is why we spend minutes on them, not hours. And sure, I could sit around thinking about all the ridiculously luxurious things we could do with double the staff, but that is pointless. We will focus on how to make the absolute best magazine we can with a small and talented staff, which is to say, we will do the best work with the resources available. Meanwhile, I also host a podcast called Build for Tomorrow. Maybe you're aware of it. There's Problem Solvers, which you're listening to right now. There's also another one called Build for Tomorrow. It is an ambitious project that requires tons of research. And as a result, I get one of those episodes out once a month. Would I like it to be weekly like Problem Solvers? Of course, but I don't have the time for that. And making a great monthly show is more fulfilling than either making a subpar weekly show or just making no show at all. I made a sacrifice and I am living with it. It is enabling me to do the best work with the resources available. In all of this, I am making a conscious decision about how I want to define success. We all have the power to do this for ourselves. If success means something to you that you do not have the resources to achieve, then you will beat yourself up for not being a success. But if success means constant growth within your means, then it is within your grasp. I choose to focus on maximizing what I can control and not worry about what I can't. I know it won't be easy. Sacrifices will be made. Progress will be slower. But if you choose to think this way, then you too will find that you're happier, more rested, and better prepared for the long game. And that's what matters most anyway. If you are stressed out, then give yourself a break. Just make sure you're doing the best work you can with the resources available. So. That's the column that I hope is going to inspire a lot of people to chill out, not chill out completely. Of course, that's not possible. We still got to do great work, but let's not make ourselves needlessly insane. Okay. After the break, I'm going to tell you more. I know there were a few little details in there about making the magazine, making the podcast. I'm going to tell you more about how I came to this realization because it was not easy and it took time, but I'm happy I got there and I want to get you there too. If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. All right, we're back. 
So picture it. Like I said, I'm standing here in my bedroom. I literally am. I am uh, wearing a hoodie and I'm standing at my little standing desk contraption. I'm next to a window, which maybe you've heard some cars drive by. I don't know. I, I don't think my microphone is sensitive enough for that. Uh, usually I'm recording this in my kid's bedroom <laughs> because the acoustics are better. I often literally record like on the bottom bunk of their bunk bed because it just, it just, um, captures sound really well. But my two and a half year old is napping right now. It is Sunday at 3.30 PM. And I got to make this show. I don't, I don't have time tomorrow uh, when I often make the show on Mondays. So uh, Sunday afternoon it is, and I'm standing in my bedroom and I'm holding this because you know what? I am doing the best work with the resources available. I don't have a home studio. I don't have anything fancy. I got this nice microphone that cost me about 60 bucks. It's plugged into the computer. It does the job. It makes a show. And that's what we're going to do. But let me back up because here's the thing. I don't know if you know this about magazines, but magazines, national magazines, used to be a lot of money in national magazines. And I, I don't just mean like money for the people working. I mean, there's just like a lot of money sloshing around. A lot of big staffs and these staffs would do luxurious things. I mean, boy, you rewind a couple decades and you got people who like, I don't know, they did, they worked on one story every issue and otherwise they had boozy lunches. I don't know what they did. I came into the industry a little past that. But my first couple jobs, like the one that I referenced where I was going to spend hours writing photo captions, they were relatively kind of cushy. We had really big, big teams and everyone was responsible for small parts of things. And then over time, you know, the industry has changed and the staffs would get smaller and smaller and people would do more and more. And then I got to Entrepreneur. And Entrepreneur has always run very, very lean. It's a scrappy entrepreneurial place. And I, I got to be honest with you, when I first walked into this, uh, into this place, <laughs> I was like, how are we going to do this? How do you put out a high quality national magazine with such a small team. I mean, we've got a small team. I don't know how much you can appreciate that, but like when I was at Men's Health, there was a whole gigantic room with designers, with like a whole bunch of designers like designing pages of the magazine. And then there was a art director above the mall who had her own office. And then there was a creative director above uh, her who had their own office as well. And now I've got one person on the team. His name is Paul. He is unbelievably talented. He is the creative director. He also designs every single page of every single issue of this magazine himself. Can you believe it? Shout out to Paul, but also shout out to Judith, the one woman photo department. Shout out to the managing editor and the copy chief and the fact checkers and the other editors. We are doing a lot. And so I looked at this magazine when I first came in and I said, I, I just, I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. And then I, I thought, well, I may not know how to do it, but I got to do it. I have to make this work. So what would it take to make it work? How is it possible? And the answer is, all right, we stop caring about this nonsense thing. We stop caring about that. This thing that I was trained to do, the way that I would see magazine staff sit around for hours in a conference room debating story ideas, and then a, nothing would really come out of it. But we all thought that that was the way to make a magazine. What if we just don't do that? What if we just don't do that? Because we don't have the time for that. What if we just don't do it? And what I found was that a lot of the things that I had witnessed 
at magazines with larger staffs, with lots of money just sloshing around to make a magazine, a lot of that stuff was not useful, did not help make a magazine. And in fact, it just wasted everybody's time. And now that I think of it and I look back on it, I'm like, that did waste everybody's time. I didn't enjoy doing that. And as I sat through these meetings, I thought, why are we in these meetings? What's going on? What is the point of this? But then when I was the leader, my instinct was to originally replicate the thing that I had seen without remembering how when I was just a regular editor, just a, just a member of the team, not the leader of the team, I hated those meetings. And I knew very well that not a lot was coming out of them. So let's get rid of them. And this kind of attitude became something that drew in the right kind of people. The, the, the team that I have are people who have worked under other conditions and also realized how much we were wasting everybody's time and frankly, wasting a lot of money too, and how we didn't need to do it that way, how there was a better way, a slimmer, more scrappy, faster moving way, a way that just works. And that became a point of pride. It's a point of pride for us. It, I, I think of it as as the thing that is almost central to the culture Entrepreneur Magazine, which is that we know we can do things differently, that we can chart our own path. We can say, just because we saw it done other ways throughout our careers does not mean that we have to be programmed by that. That In fact, we can tear up the plan and we can make another one. And uh, that's what animates us. And frankly, I think that's the reason why we're all so excited to work together because we say, ah, screw it. We're just going to make a good magazine. But that requires readjusting everything that you think about. It requires saying, well, you know what it requires saying. It requires saying, I will do the best work with the resources available. By the way, <laughs> I occasionally uh, have to stop and listen back to something that I recorded, and I'm realizing that occasionally you might hear something under my voice. Let's see if I can get it. Yeah, there it is. There it is. The creaky floors. The creaky floors because I literally am pacing with a microphone as I talk about this. That's how animated I am about this. That's how excited I am to reinvent, to be liberated from old ways of doing things, to know that actually creation of a high level, even without the resources that maybe I once had or whatever, that it's not only possible to with my grasp, it's within my control. That's exciting. That should be exciting for you to say, you know what? Here is what I have. I'm going to take full account of what I have, and then I'm going to do the best damn thing that I can with it because I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to be more creative than if I had double the resources. It, it reminds me, actually, interestingly, of something that Ryan Reynolds was telling me. You can go back and find the episode where I talked to him. He was on the cover of the magazine a few months ago, and uh, I also ran the conversation that we had as a podcast. And one of the things that he talked about was how much he loved having small budgets, tight budgets, because large budgets, he said, what ends up happening is you have this large budget and then you just start thinking ridiculous things, right? You just, you just start spending on things that are unnecessary. You start just, you take your eye off of the thing that actually matters. Um, in his example, he was talking about commercials and making movies and how the thing that always matters the most in these things is character and is that connection point of humanity. But as soon as you add a giant budget, people don't think about character. They start spending on graphics and they, they, they're they like, now there's going to be an alien invasion. You don't need any of that stuff. And if you have big budgets, if you have tons of resources, you might actually take your eye off of what matters. But when you have limited resources, then, then you have to focus on making the most of every single thing, every person, every hour, every dollar. And that forces you to do very, very good work. So 
that is how I came to appreciate that I can do the best work with the resources available. I learned it at the magazine. I have now, I've now just transported that mentality to everything else that I do, whether it's podcasts or or other writing projects or whatever. There's a lot. I do a lot. And I don't worry now about what I'm not doing. I only worry about what I can control and what I can do because I'll say it once again. I hope you say it with me. I hope you say it for yourself forever because I will do, we will do the best work with the resources available. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.